Hey everyone, welcome back to the Weekly Recap. My name is Matt Lepobetchko. Unfortunately, Corey and I will not be able to take the recap this week. Uh, Corey and I are, are sick, our whole family's sick, and Corey has a deep and persistent sinus infection, so that just hasn't been good. Overall, as some of you might know, she's uh, seven months pregnant, but the baby's fine, everything's good there. We're just un She's just unable to communicate this week for us at the Weekly Recap, and it looks like it to the next week also. What we've done in place of this, since we were unable to take the recap this week, we've taken Corey's uh, recaps from last year that are covering Proverbs 21 to Ecclesiastes 12, and we've put those together for you. I know they're usually taped on different days, but we've cut them together so that you can still get your recap in and get to understand your Bible just a little bit more uh, this week. We didn't want to leave you hanging. And besides that, uh, we hope you stay healthy and safe. I know we're going to try to get healthier uh, as time just goes on. So enjoy your week, enjoy your Bible study, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Proverbs chapter 21. Okay, so often in Proverbs and the rest of the Bible for that matter, when you come across something that you're not clear on, you need to keep reading because often it will be clarified later on in the chapter. And there's an example of this in Proverbs 21. So verse 17 says, whoever loves pleasure will become poor. Whoever loves wine and olive oil will never be rich. But that seems a little strange, doesn't it? Whoever loves wine and olive oil will never be rich? You can't love olive oil and a, and a nice glass of wine? What's going on? Verse 20, a few verses down, clarifies. It says, the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. So whoever loves pleasure and whoever loves wine and olive oil, that's like they're just consuming it. They're just partying hard. They're just, they're not storing any for the off season. So this is all about managing yourself, managing your desires, managing your household well. Proverbs 22, this starts out like every other chapter in Proverbs with sayings, but then it introduces a section called the 30 sayings of the wise. And, um, these more these 30 sayings of the wise six of them are recorded in chapter 22 and most of the time most of these have a few lines to them rather than just the one line of the average size proverb that we've been reading um <clears throat> the saying number one is kind of an intro saying and saying number two is basically protecting the poor the point of saying three is don't be friends with a hot-tempered person and it explains why saying number four basically says stay away from debt and saying five says do not move an ancient boundary stone which clicks into it ties into how Israel was a nation that was divided up according to tribal inheritances. And saying number six has to do with skilled workers, workers who work on developing their skill will advance. Okay, Proverbs chapter 23 uh, records these 30 sayings of the wise, numbers 7 through 19. And I'll just read you one of them to give you a flavor for it in case you didn't get a chance to read Proverbs 23 this week. Saying seven is, when you sit to dine with a ruler, note well what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you're given to gluttony. Do not crave his delicacies for that food is deceptive 
Okay, so that put a knife is basically like, don't eat too much. Just keep your head up. Don't don't be gluttonous. So the idea behind this is perhaps this ruler is testing your character or trying to bribe you. You know, he's fattening you up and treating you well, whining and dining, and then he's going to want some sort of military action for you. Remember, this is King Solomon talking to his prince son, who will one day likely be king or at least a noble. Proverbs chapter 24, this is the last one we're going to be recapping today. This is, it holds sayings 20 to 30, uh, plus then after the 30, it moves on to further sayings of the wise. Uh, saying number 28, I wanted to read to you. It says, do not gloat when your enemy falls. When they stumble, do not let your heart rejoice or the Lord will see and disapprove and turn his wrath away from them. So don't gloat when your enemy falls. Uh, and then verses 30 to 34 says this. Uh, these are the further sayings of the wise that are a little bit longer and more involved. Here's what I mean. I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. So these are more reflections, wisdom from reflections of Solomon. Um, so overall, the book of Proverbs so far has given us what wisdom looks like in life versus what foolishness looks like in life. So this is a book to do a lot of self-reflection with, to sit with and to think about um, and foster that self-reflection and self-evaluation that was always a part of following God, always a part of following the creator of the universe, and still is. As we get into the New Testament, we're going to be seeing some of these very similar principles expounded on in the New Testament. Okay, Proverbs 25. I want to read to you verses 4 and 5. It says this, Remove the dross from the silver, and a silversmith can produce a vessel. Remove wicked officials from the king's presence and his throne will be established through righteousness. So we can see here, this is a really common element in the Proverbs where it gives us a, a kind of a statement of fact about everyday life. In this case, remove the dross from the silver and a silversmith can produce a vessel. And then it gives us a comparative truth that's in a different context. So remove wicked officials from the king's presence and his throne will be established through righteousness. So um, this will probably sound familiar to any human being who's ever lived on planet Earth but wickedness in government officials inhibits government from working well and being established as righteous or right with God. So this applies even when there's a godly king in this scenario. Wicked officials are still able to stop a godly king's throne from being established or working in righteousness, in rightness with God. Uh, verses 13 and 14 say, like a snow-cooled drink 
at harvest time is a trustworthy messenger to the one who sends him. He refreshes the spirit of his master. Like clouds and wind without rain is the one who boasts of gifts never given. So this proverb is comparing uh, refreshing or useful versus useless and disappointing. It promises to be refreshing, but it's not. Now, uh, on the program and on this very YouTube channel, I launched a segment talking about ice houses because how would the ancient person writing Proverbs know what a snow-cooled drink in the middle of the summer or in the middle of the fall? How would they know in you know a desert region what a snow-cooled drink tasted like? Where is that coming from? So if you look uh, on my YouTube channel, you'll find a segment uh, called Ancient Ice Houses. Check it out if you're more curious about that technology. Okay, verse 15 of Proverbs 25 is also really interesting. It says, through patience, a ruler can be persuaded and a gentle tongue can break a bone. Ah, we need to learn the secrets of communication, don't we? Effective communication is so important. A gentle tongue can break a bone. Proverbs chapter 26 now. Uh, this proverb, this chapter focuses on a lack of wisdom. There's a large section on a fool, describing a fool. There's a section on the sluggard or someone who's lazy. There's a section on uh, people who like to gossip. Uh, and there's a section on the speech of enemies. So this is all about a lack of wisdom. Proverbs 27 moves back into that more typical advice mode of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs. Verse 1, for example, says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. And then verse 19 says, As water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. As water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. Proverbs 28. I wanted to read to you verse 13 of Proverbs. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. This is so applicable even today. It still stands. Following God as a Christian involves honesty about yourself. We have to consider our lives, confess our sin, and renounce that sin and that equates that confession and renouncing equates to God's mercy upon us verse 26 of Proverbs 28 uh, it, it is a familiar theme throughout the book of Proverbs those who trust in themselves are fools but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe so that idea of you can't trust yourself completely. We as humans, we're not infallible. We make mistakes. But even more than just making mistakes, our emotions can absolutely deceive us from the reality of a situation. I mean, you get offended and you stop seeing clearly. 
right? Something happens to you to hurt you and you stop being able to have proper perspective on an entire situation. Uh, the Proverbs talk about, you know, there is a way that seems right to a man and yet it ends in death. So we're not infallible. Those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. Proverbs 29, we're almost there, a few more chapters left of Proverbs. I wanted to point out verse 7. It says this, The righteous care about justice for the poor, but the wicked have no such concern. And this is a theme all throughout Proverbs as well. God is concerned with justice for all people. So we as Christians, we as God followers, we need to be concerned about that too. Verse 25 says, Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. So in other words, we have to make sure to keep our reverence, to keep our fear in the right place and not be afraid to go against popular opinion when popular opinion is wrong, right? We can't just go against popular opinion for the sake of being counterculture. No, when popular opinion is wrong, we have to, or when popular opinion goes against God, we have to stand against that. We cannot be afraid of man. Verse 26, it says this, many seek an audience with a ruler, but it is from the Lord that one gets justice. This is an important verse in Proverbs 29 because remember it says the righteous care about justice for the poor, but the wicked have no such concern. And then down in verse 26, it tells us where to get actual justice. Many seek audience with a ruler, but it is from the Lord that one gets justice. This is challenging to my faith as well. How, how are my prayers for people who need justice? How, how is that going? These are some really good Proverbs to be self-reflected with. Okay, Proverbs chapter 30, the sayings of Agur to Ithiel. These are unknown people, uh, but nevertheless, it's a really interesting chapter. The content of this is really interesting. Uh, verses five to nine, I'm going to read you just to kind of give you a flavor of these sayings of Agur. Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, or he will rebuke you and prove you a liar. Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. I also really like uh, of these sayings of Agur, verses 32 and 33, that says, If you play the fool and exalt yourself, or if you plan evil, clap your hand over your mouth. For as churning cream produces butter, and as twisting the nose produces blood, so stirring up anger produces strife. It's a sure thing. If you play the fool and exalt yourself, clap your hand over your mouth because stirring anger produces strife. It's, it's a sure thing. Proverbs 31, this final chapter here, it's the sayings of King Lemuel. 
uh, as inspired, sorry, an inspired utterance his mother taught him. So this is King Lemuel, whose mother taught him these things. And the chapter opens up with some practical advice for kings, like not getting drunk. And if you know anything about the history of pretty much any nation, it can be a really difficult thing. Specifically, we'll focus in on biblical history here, Old Testament biblical history. It's a dangerous thing for kings to get drunk because a lot of assassinations happen during big, you know, festivals where everybody's drunk. Uh, but also to the mother's point here, specifically in 31, uh, you make bad decisions when you're drunk. So she doesn't want him to make a habit of being drunk all the time because he's in an important political position. Then Proverbs 31 moves on to what it is more famous for, which is this description of a wife of noble character, uh, who when you really kind of sit down and break it down, it appears that this wife of noble character seems to be a combination of all of the Proverbs, you know, like Lady Wisdom as lived in real life industrious, trustworthy in all things, very strong, speaks wisdom, is godly and righteous. All right, guys, let's move on to a new book, Ecclesiastes. So Ecclesiastes, it, the word, is an English transliteration of the Greek word for teacher, okay, because this is based off of the Hebrew word for teacher, because the teacher is writing this book. So Ecclesiastes essentially means teacher. So Ecclesiastes can be a bit of a depressing read because the teacher is struggling throughout this book to try to figure out if life has meaning or if it doesn't have meaning. And, you know, in the end, the teacher comes to the place where life does have meaning. But after this really long, humanistic, earthly struggle with the reality of living in this sinful, fallen world. So... It can be a bit of a ride, but it, tur it turns out okay. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 2 typifies the entire book almost. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. And he goes on to talk about why it's meaningless. So mainly people work all day to eat, to sleep, and then go back and work all day again until they die. What's the point? There's nothing new under the sun. There's never going to be anything new. It's all the same. And this chapter also goes, goes into this concept that since sin can't be fixed, this world is messed up, it can't be fixed. Life is a heavy burden. And being wise in this life just adds to that sorrow because you're forced to think then about how everything is terrible. Lovely, isn't it? Ecclesiastes chapter 2 talks about how even pleasure is ultimately meaningless. Laughter, wine, building projects, wealth, the prestige and fame of a monarch, none of it matters because in the end, everybody dies and nothing is actually gained. Verses 13 to 14 say this, however, okay, wisdom is better than folly, just as light is better than darkness. The wise have eyes in their heads while the fool walks in darkness. But I came to realize that the same fate overtakes them both. Like the fool, the wise too must die. That, that very ending, I skipped ahead to verse 16, that like the fool, the wise too must die. And then in verse 17, he says, so I hated life. 
All right, so his conclusion is that, and it's going to be repeated over and over and over again, the best we can do is eat, drink, and find satisfaction in our daily work. So it's this eat, drink, and be merry mentality. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, this is the famous, there is a time for everything, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to love, hate, war, peace. There's a huge list. So this really draws out that there's this order to creation. There's this purpose and this order to creation that God has worked out But we can't see the purpose. We can't see the reason for all of it. We can't see the ultimate plan. So it's ultimately meaningless to us. But then there's this bit of hope in verse 17 that God will one day bring judgment to all people, to both the wicked and the righteous. But the teacher also emphasizes how this is mysterious to him now. It's mysterious to him at this point. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, it begins with a struggle with all evil oppression that goes on in the world. So looking around, it's this problem of sin, right? You look around and you see all of the evil and all of the suffering. Uh, He looks at how uh, human achievement is so often based on envy. It's based on envying someone else. I'm jealous of you, so I'm going to try to do it too. So therefore, even human achievement becomes evil. Uh, He ends up concluding chapter four by going, you know, it's better to have friends and family than not so you can pass on your work, but still you end up dying. He's really hung up on this. Ecclesiastes chapter five, it talks about being careful when you go to worship God. Listen first. Don't be quick to make vows, but when you do make vows, be quick to fulfill them and don't let your mouth lead you into sin. And it also talks about how riches are ultimately you guessed it, meaningless. Ecclesiastes chapter six talks about people who are rich, but they can't enjoy their riches. They're not happy. And he concludes that it's better, you're better off just not even being born at that point. Ecclesiastes chapter seven, it gets, it gets better guys. This is, it's, it can be, it can be a tough go, but remember this is a human struggling with human understanding of the world and humanistic ways of understanding it as well. Ecclesiastes chapter seven is Proverbs style wisdom literature. So we get, you know, brief relief from the vanity, meaningless talk. Um, He also talks about how he was determined to be wise, to live in wisdom, but how he ultimately failed at that task. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, the teacher wrestles with how to live well under the rule of an earthly king. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9, he talks about how we're all going to die no matter what kind of people we are. Good, bad, rich, poor, doesn't matter. We're all going to die, so we might as well eat, drink, and be merry. Enjoy life. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 contrasts and compares wisdom and folly. And it comes to the conclusion that wisdom is better than foolishness. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 continues practical advice that actually began in the end of chapter 10. Um, Practical advice like invest your money in more than one place to protect your investments. If one fails, you still have others kind of thing. Um, And also when you're in a time of comfort when you are in a comfortable place there's no disasters going on still remember what it was like to be in discomfort don't divorce yourself from reality that's the kind of advice that's in chapter 11 
Uh, here's the last chapter of Ecclesiastes, and it will wrap up and we'll see where this guy lands. So Ecclesiastes 12 presents two paths. Um, one path actually was begun in chapter 11, and it basically says that what happens if you do whatever you want with no restraints, you just follow your own sensual desires, you will have to deal with God's judgment on that afterwards. And then chapter 12 presents the path of those who remember God when they're young. So it's a different lifestyle that's involved in chapter 12. Now, the conclusion of the matter also happens in chapter 12. It's verses 13 to 14. And here's what it says. Now, all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. So this may not be the amazing turnaround that we're hoping for, but what we do have here is the teacher admitting that there is a different purpose. There, God does have a purpose, even if we can't quite quite grasp it. He has a purpose for human life here on earth. Otherwise, he wouldn't bother judging it afterwards. There's something else. There's something that comes next. So fear God and keep his commandments for this is the duty of mankind. Thank you so much for watching. We want to keep producing high quality biblical content but we can't do it without your support. If you feel called to support us, please click the link in the description under donate. Your support really means a lot to us.